I want to start out today with a question. Um, it's the question. It kind of frames our entire time today as we celebrate the risen Christ, as we celebrate Easter, as we reflect on this resurrection story. This one question is really what I want to sit with. And so I encourage you to think about it. I encourage you to ponder it. And here's what it is. What would it look like for Jesus to experience the Easter story as a bystander and for us to experience the Easter story as the one who's laid in the tomb. What would it look like if, if, we, if Jesus was to experience the Easter story as a bystander and we experienced it as the one who's being laid in the tomb? You know the Easter story, of course. It's, a, it's about a guy who dies. He's buried. He's placed in a tomb. The tomb is sealed. A few days later, he comes back to life. They roll a stone away, unsealing the tomb, and he's alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And then the religious rulers hear about this and they don't like it. That's the Easter story. But that's not the story we're going to look at today. Today, I want to look at a different Easter story. Now, we've been spending some time over the last couple of weeks in these uh, Gospel of John looking at seven miracles. Uh, the water turned into wine, uh, walking on the water, healing uh, a paralyzed man, uh, giving sight to the blind. All of these fantastic stories that point to and help us understand who Jesus is. Well, today, for Easter, we're going to look at the final seventh miracle in the Gospel of John. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And you know the story. It's pretty simple. It's about a guy who dies. He's buried. He's placed in a tomb. The tomb is sealed. A few days later, he comes back to life. They roll the stone away, unsealing the tomb, and, he, unsealing the tomb, and he's alive. And of course, the religious rulers hear about this, and they're upset. Sounds familiar. Now, these stories, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and the story of Jesus... Uh, resurrection aren't the same. They're different in many and important ways, but they're similar. Uh, so similar that you can summarize them in the same way. Because they're similar on purpose because you're supposed to compare and contrast them. They're similar enough that we know that we're supposed to compare them to each other. And yet they're different enough that they can teach us something new about who God is and what Easter is all about. You know, when you compare them to each other, it does something rather unique for us. You know, what would it look like if Jesus was the one who was walking with someone to the cross? You don't get to see that in the Easter story. But what if Jesus was the friend of the person who was dying, if, if instead of being the person? What if Jesus was a bystander in that story? How, how would Jesus handle that death in that resurrection? What, what role would Jesus have? What would he do? And how would what Jesus does compare to what the disciples do who are there when Jesus dies and rises again? But also, it allows us to see this. What would the Easter story look like if I was the person, if you were the person facing death, what does it mean to share in Christ's death so that I can share in his resurrection? What happens when we experience our own Easter story? How is that similar to Jesus's and how is it so radically different? In other words, what would it look like for Jesus to experience the Easter story as a bystander and for us to experience it as the one who's being laid into a tomb. That's what I want to explore today, and here's how. 
I've got just a few notes. Mostly what I'm going to share is this text, the story of Lazarus, and I'm going to look at it from these questions. I want to experience this text together from this vantage point, from this set of questions. So if you have your Bibles, you can find it in John chapter 11, starting with verse 1. We'll also have the scripture on the screen. Let's look at this story, this very different Easter story, the story that happens before the one we're celebrating today, and see what it has to say about who Jesus is. Is. So John chapter 11, verse 1. Here's what it says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. So, first, in this Easter story, bad things happen. It might not be like Jesus' suffering. It's not going to be at the hands of political and religious rulers. It's not going to be in the form of persecution. But bad things still happen. He gets sick. We get sick. There's suffering. There's pain. And when bad things happen, they don't happen in isolation, do they? They, There are people. There are sisters and brothers and friends who are impacted by those bad things. When we get sick and when we suffer, our families suffer too, don't they? This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. In other words, they knew Jesus. In in this Easter story, they already had a relationship with Jesus. They were friends with him already, which is good. Because when suffering happens, and it does happen, it happens in this Easter story, it'll happen in your own, it's best if you already have a relationship with Jesus. It's best if you have met Jesus already, because to have an Easter story, we need Jesus. We need someone who can, we can lean on, someone who can help us take this story of of illness and make it into a story that we can call a resurrection story. Verse 3, he goes on, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. So here we have Jesus hears about his friend Lazarus, and we know who he is to Jesus. Is somebody who Jesus has loved. In this Easter story, the tables have flipped. The one who is suffering in the story isn't Jesus, but is loved by Jesus. Jesus wasn't just a bystander. Jesus was one of those who would be impacted by the suffering of the one who is sick because they knew each other and had a relationship. Jesus was entering this story as a friend to the person who was hurting. Verse four, when they heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. I love this because in this Easter story, one that starts out with sickness and suffering, Jesus isn't worried. He's uh, confident, isn't he? He's not worried at all. And, because he, and it's not because he doesn't care. That's what we just, we just read that. He cares about Lazarus. He loves him. We were just told that. But he's not worried, not because he doesn't care, but because he knows how the story will end. Lazarus' story wouldn't end in death. Now pause. Jesus never said it wouldn't involve death. He said it wouldn't end in death. And those aren't the same thing. But in the end, 
Jesus isn't concerned with how the story will end. Jesus is every bit of confidence that things will work out. So verse five, here's what happens. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we learn once again, they really want you to drive this point home. Jesus doesn't just love Lazarus. He loves his sisters. These are his people. They're his family. He's not a random bias. He's family. These are the, these are his, you know, these are close. And we're told yet again that he loves them. We are reassured of this because a bystander, if we're watching the story unfold, we might question that. We might wonder like, wait, does Jesus even care about these people? Especially with what Jesus does next, verse six. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, if we hadn't been told already that Jesus loved this guy, uh, our assumptions would be that Jesus probably didn't care very much. He finds out that his friend is sick on the point of death, and he's like, we will wait two more days. Does he even care? Jesus's confidence in how the story will end can make him appear like he doesn't care, that he's in no hurry to help his friend, that, that he must not love him. You see, God's confidence in the resurrection, God's certainty of Easter, of our Easter experience can at times make us question whether God cares. Because if God cared, God would have prevented this from happening. I I wouldn't be hurting already. Uh, He would be here already. God would have already arrived. God would have already stepped in. He wouldn't be taking his time. But friends, don't let God's confidence in how your story will end make you question God's concern for how you're doing right now. Because God won't wait forever. Verse seven says this. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Let us go back to Judea where Lazarus is. But, but Lazarus wasn't the only thing in that area. Lazarus lives near Jerusalem where the religious rulers and the temple guards and the zealots and the pious are protecting their sacred temple and their sacred religion. And they don't like Jesus. In fact, the last time he was there, they picked up stones to stone him. This is just the previous chapter, chapter 10. And if you you can't even try to imagine what it's like to be stoned to death. If there's anything worse than dying on a cross, it'd be stoned to death. A brutal way where you are tossed these large stones. They hit you. They hit you until you stop moving. And then you're left for dead. And they're headed back to the area where the the people want to stone Jesus, which is why the disciples say this, verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? In this Easter story, going to the one who is suffering is risky. Jesus' life would be at risk. In fact, ultimately, once he goes back, he would be killed, not by stones, but he would, it would set a chain of, chain of events that would result in his crucifixion. But it wasn't just Jesus' life that was at risk. His disciples' life was at risk. The people might stone them right alongside Jesus. So it was risky. They might not survive this interaction. So going on, verse 9, 10, and 11, it says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, they went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. 
In this Easter story, like like the real one, Jesus tells them exactly what's going to happen. (laughs) They don't get it, of course, just like the real one. In the real one, the one that we're celebrating today, he tells them over and over again that Jesus, I'm going to die. Jesus says, I'm going to die. And in three days, I'm going to rise again. And they, they think he's maybe telling a parable or something. So verse 12, he goes on. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Like, oh, he was sick, but he had to just sleep a little bit. He's going to get better. Jesus, but 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death and his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He's like, can I be any more clear about this? Tired of talking in riddles. And then verse 16, it says this. So Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. The disciples were so convinced of the imminent danger of that area that to commit to go and see Lazarus would be to commit to die. If they go back to that area, they may not survive. They might be stoned to death. They might be arrested. They might, they might be executed by the religious powers that be. By going with Jesus, they may not survive. But in order for them to see Jesus perform an Easter miracle, they had to be willing to risk that. In this Easter story and everyone after, in order to experience the resurrection miracle, don't miss this, the disciples had to be willing to die themselves. That's true in the story of Lazarus, and it's absolutely true in the story of Easter. In order to see the greatest miracle that Jesus, of yet of Jesus' ministry, the disciples had to be willing to give it all away. In order to see Jesus give life to someone, the disciples had to be willing to lay down their own. And so they go. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus was already been dead in the tomb for four days. Four days. He's been dead, friends. It's too late. Four days late. Jesus was four days late. Of course, even if he had not wasted those two days, he would have still been two days late, which gives us a little bit of perspective, what Jesus knew, what was going on. If he had left and arrived as quickly as he had been told, it would have still been, he would have still been too late. And so what we see is in this Easter story, death was unavoidable. Jesus was never going to make it on time. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. This is a big event. It's a memorial service, lots of people, all the relatives, some maybe knew him, some maybe didn't, some were close, some were people he hadn't seen in years, but they're all there and they're all going to witness what happens next. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. In this Easter story, people are expecting Jesus to do something before death, not after. God had to show up before it was too late, before things got too far. Because if God didn't show up, you know, before it had gotten too late, well, then it'd be too late. Or would it be? Martha goes on, verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you 
whatever you ask. You know, Martha's in this place, I think we find ourselves, where simultaneously she believes that Jesus, okay, God, you're kind of a little late to the party. You should have come and done something earlier. But also, you know, you could still do something now. And I'm kind of in this place where I'm, I don't know, I feel sorrow, but maybe mixed with hope. And I've got desperation, but maybe mixed with faith. Here's what Jesus says, verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who has come into the world. In this Easter story, they get to hear words of hope. They're told what will happen. They're reminded of God's love and of God's power. In this story, they get to hear from Jesus himself where all of this is headed. That, that nothing, not even death, can separate us from God. In the real Easter story, the one where the roles are reversed, Jesus is walking the road to the cross without, without anyone telling him or reminding him of where things are headed. The only reassurance that Jesus had in that story, other than himself, was in the prayer that he had to God. And there's a moment the night before he's in the garden, he's praying to the Father and he's begging God, you know, to let this cup pass and, and God is in the Holy Spirit showing up and ministering to him and there's this beautiful scene and in, in that setting he has disciples with him he has people who should be that voice in his life and reminding him but the disciples aren't wise enough or, or aware of what's going on for them they sit with Jesus and Jesus says to them he says death um, you know Jesus says I, my soul is so very sorrowful even to death remain here and watch with me he says I'm feel like I'm going to die. He tells his friends, I can't handle this. Come, sit and watch with me. And you know what they do? If you've read the story, they fall asleep. They aren't there for him. But in the story of Lazarus, we get to see what it looks like for Jesus to be that role. And Jesus is there for that person, for that family, to share hope. That's the beauty of reversing these roles, Jesus, when Jesus is the friend of the person suffering, we get to see what it looks like to walk with people who suffer. Going on, verse 28, it says, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him outside the village. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, thinking that she was going to go to the tomb to mourn there. Well, when Mary reaches the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here we are again. We believe God can do something, but only if it's done before things go too far or they get too hard or they fall apart too much, or if it gets too bad, or it becomes too late. And God missed his chance to set things right. God, you're too late. God, it's too late. You should have got here earlier. Where were you? Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. In this Easter story, Jesus weeps. 
It's when Jesus is the bystander watching all of those impacted by suffering that Jesus is moved to tears. Jesus is said to cry two times in the Gospels. We, I would assume that he probably cried during the Passion narrative when he's on the cross, but the Gospels writers don't make mention of that. But he, they do make mention of two times. Once when he's looking out over Jerusalem and he's feeling this deep burden for, for his people, knowing that the people he loves are going to hang him on a cross. That's one time. And then right here, when he's with people he loves and they are hurting. Now, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He told everyone what he's going to do. They all know. And yet he still cries because in this story, Jesus's confidence didn't prevent or inhibit his empathy. Jesus knew what would happen, but that doesn't mean Jesus didn't feel what they were feeling. You ever watch someone face something hard knowing it'll work out on the other side? You know, knowing that it actually, they'll be better off on the other side. How easy is it for you to just to be like, hey, suck it up, you know, push through, you'll be fine. On the other side, stop feeling things, stop whining. Trust me, if you just get through this, it'll be great. If there was ever a situation where that was warranted, it's here. And yet Jesus never lets his confidence become arrogance. He never let his confidence inhibit his empathy. So then verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. (laughs) They knew Jesus's love, not because of the resurrection, raising Lazarus from the dead, but because of the tears. Because when Jesus was in that role, reflecting on and being with people who had lost someone they love, and he is feeling it too, even though he knows what will come in the future, They're like, that's okay. I see Jesus's love. Verse 37. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Oh, this again? In this story, they still think God let it go too far. That there's, you know, some line And if we cross that line, it's too late. God, you had your chance. For them, it was death, and that's fine. You know, that's reasonable. God can help all the way up to this mark. And after that, too late. You know, God, how could you keep this man from dying? But it's so much bigger than that, isn't it? We can ask this question a thousand different ways. God, couldn't you have kept my marriage from falling apart? Could, couldn't you have kept my, me, me from getting cancer? Couldn't you have kept me from getting de- struggling with depression? Couldn't you have kept me from failing out of school? Couldn't you have helped me when I was doubting everything, even myself and you? And I, Couldn't you have helped before that started? God, why did you wait until it's too late? Because it's too late now. Maybe. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. I think Jesus just really, wouldn't that be a cool moment for Jesus knowing where he was going to end up? To be able to stand outside someone else's cave, someone else's tomb, someone else's stone and say, take the stone away. Knowing that there really wouldn't be anyone to say that to him. In this Easter story, like the other, there's this tomb with a stone Going on, it says, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. (laughs) She has a new title just introduced into the story. She is now the sister of the dead man. That's all they had thought about him anymore. He's, there's nothing else to him. I'm just the sister of the dead man. She says, by this time, there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. 
Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. In this Easter story, the one who suffered and died gets a second chance at life. But I don't want you to miss the point of the story. The point of this Easter story and of Easter itself, of the very resurrection of Jesus Christ, isn't that God is going to fix every insurmountable problem we face. It's actually the opposite. The point of Easter is that every insurmountable problem we face is never the end. The point of Easter isn't that God will show up before it gets too late. It's it's the opposite. The whole point of Easter story is that God shows up after it's too late to show us it's never too late. The whole point of Jesus coming back from the dead is to make it perfectly clear to us that even when we feel it's gone too far and God has missed his chance to save us, that God isn't done yet. As Paul says in Romans 8, 31 to 39, I can't say it better than this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare his death, his own son, uh, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Just like he loved Lazarus. And I am convinced, Paul says, that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears nor demons, uh, neither fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the Easter story. Christ enters Jerusalem, eventually, He's put on trial, he's arrested, and he's put on trial. He's then beaten, stripped, a cross is placed on his back. He suffers at the hands of all that is wrong with the world, all of our injustice and all of our sin and all of the corruption that that fuels religions and governments, and he, he dies as a prisoner executed by the state. Then he's taken off. His disciples are scattered. Very few have stuck around. And he's placed in a tomb. 
And there's no other, I mean, this is Jesus that's happening to you. There's no other Jesus to come and counsel people and tell them how it's going to work out. As far as they're concerned, everything they believed in has died. Of course, a few women, leaders in the early church, come to the tomb, and they find the stone has already rolled away. He is risen. Because with God, it's never too late. And because of the resurrection, no matter where you are at, no matter what has happened in this life or the next, dead or alive, nothing can separate us from Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you work in our lives, for the hope that we have in Christ. for the peace that Christ gives us. Most importantly, that it's never too late. And that at times we feel that you are taking too long and that you could have come a lot earlier. And now it's just that you're reaching the point where it's like, God, you should have been here already. We know that that is not the case. That in order for us to have resurrection, we have to have death. That suffering and pain and struggle is just a, an unfortunate part of life. But it's never the end. Give us that hope now. Remind us of the power of your resurrection. In your name we pray. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.